Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Here is this episode's big disclaimer. I'm not a biologist. But regardless of what that might mean in other aspects of our culture today, I do believe that I still have enough knowledge and know-how and the ability to do research and the powers of observation that I can speak with relative authority about topics that may pertain to science and biology. So even though I don't have any sort of letters after my name that are corresponding to a degree in science, I think you might be able to learn something. That being said, as I always say with everything else in casting across, whether it be a fly fishing technique, whether it be a piece of gear, a location where you can go fishing, or the history of fly fishing, I hope that what I say leads you on some sort of path of exploration where you tap on your smartphone and look something up, you head to your local library, or you spend some time looking through any resources that you might have, hopefully to corroborate what I say and to go deeper, but maybe even to check on something if you happen to be skeptical. So with all that said, what are we talking about today? We are talking about hybrid fish. We're talking about hybrid trout. Now, why devote an entire 20 plus minutes to this topic? Well, I think that there's a lot of value in understanding what is swimming in our waterway and what counts as trout. Also, this was a topic that was brought up to me earlier this week as I was on a podcast, the Guy Jeans podcast, which I'll mention at the end of this week's episode. And he asked me some questions about tiger trout. And that got me thinking, I don't know if I've ever talked about tiger trout on a podcast or in an article. And part of that is because I've never caught a tiger trout. At least I've never knowingly caught a tiger trout. But we'll get into that more here in a minute. But I think it's good for anglers to be informed, to know what we're fishing for. There is so much naivety out there about, or naivete, if you will, about 
trout species. So it's one of those things where I have very popular articles and podcasts that have to do with what constitutes a wild fish versus a stocked fish versus a native fish. And I can't tell you how many times I hear in casual conversation, people say, oh, I caught a native brown trout out here in the mountains. And I'm thinking by out here in the mountains, unless you mean that you flew to Europe, you, uh, you're, you're probably misspeaking. Or someone asks if uh, you know these are, are wild rainbow trout that I caught out of the stream that only can sustain trout for like three or four months out of the year. And so that kind of surface level ignorance, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's an ignorance that is pretty rife within the general angling community, but certainly has its its place in fly fishing. So I think that it is good that we know the difference between the three major trout species in the East Coast or the United States, brook, rainbow, and brown trout. And then we have at least an awareness of kind of what else is out there so that we can understand what our uh, state agencies are doing, because a lot of these hybrid fish are stocked fish. They are not wild fish. And so that we can be aware of what we are fishing for. So uh, without uh, soapboxing too much, let me get into the meat, the uh, firm pink flesh of, uh, of trout, if you will, for this podcast. So hybrid trout. The hybrid trout I kind of want to use as my case study is the tiger trout. And the tiger trout is a cross of Salmotrutta, brown trout, and Salvanus fontanalis, which is the brook trout. Now, you might notice something even by just the those Latin names that I used. And they have two different genus. So brown trout and their, their relatives, their closest relatives, belong to the genus Salmo. And the brook trout and all their closest relatives, those char, they belong to the genus Salphalinus. And so this is an interesting situation because a lot of the times when you have hybridization between multiple species, whether it be horses or cats or canids, dogs, uh, other things like that, they are crossbreeding at the species level. They share the same genus. Uh, tiger trout are unique, along with a, you know, a number of other uh, species, fish included, where they are a cross between two species of two genus, which leads to them being called an intergenetic hybrid, an intergenetic hybrid. So uh, what you get in tiger trout, let me explain, is a fish that looks the most like a brook trout more often than not. Sometimes you see them with coloration, a lot like a brown trout, um, but usually you get that dark back moving down into an olivish flank and then a red or orange belly. You will get some where it's more pale and consequently what you get looks a lot like a brown trout from coloration, but the most remarkable aspect of this fish from an aesthetic and a visual perspective, it is that worm-like pattern that usually you find all the way up on the back of a brook trout. And in this case, in the tiger trout, it extends all the way down the sides. So basically, you can think of it as those worm-like vermiculations on the back of a brook trout and the spots on the flank of a brown trout kind of combine to create an actual hybrid aesthetic that, that goes the entire body of this fish, with the exception of its fins and its belly. So that's what this looks like. And that's usually the only way you're going to know that you have caught one of these fish, is if you see those worm-like markings 
extending well beyond its back onto its its sides and maybe even onto its stomach. And some of them actually create large loops, so they are spots, uh, but they are actually a worm-like line that creates a misshapen spot on the side of this fish. So where do these tiger trout come from? Uh, tiger trout, they are possible to create in the wild. But this means that this is a relatively novel and new situation because brown trout and rainbow, excuse me, brown trout and brook trout didn't live on top of each other until the 19th century when non-native sports species such as the brown trout were introduced into the United States. And with the introduction of the brown trout in New York and in Pennsylvania and then um, in other places, that these fish came in to overlap with brook trout. And brook trout and brown trout have a very tenuous history uh, in the sense that uh, brown trout become pisivorous faster than brook trout do. So that means that they are going to eat baby fish or small fish, anything that they can fit in their mouth. But uh, even a small brown trout, once it gets to be eight to 10 inches or something like that, is going to chase after small fish. So you have a brown trout that is a year to two years old that is able to eat freshly hatched brook trout fry. And uh, that is going to be a, a problem for brook trout uh, stock. But also, they, they spawn at the same time, so they are going to be competing for that resource as well. Now, a lot of places in the East Coast, these fish have learned to live together and have some sort of stasis, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that brook trout will move more readily up into the tributaries and find refuge there. And so consequently, in some of these larger river systems on the East Coast, you find that the brown trout are mainly utilizing the faster currents, the larger... Uh, portions of rivers, whereas the brook trout are going to be in the side channels and up into the tributaries. That is a broad brush statement, but it kind of describes what you will encounter in most situations. That being said, uh, they will spawn in the same place at the same time, and then you have the opportunity for a brown trout and a brook trout to come together and make a baby tiger trout. These can be stream bred. Uh, it isn't common, uh, but it can happen. And the reason why it isn't common is because uh, brook trout have 84 chromosomes and brown trout have 80 chromosomes. So you have a mismatched number of chromosomes. And if you know anything about, um, about biology and, and genetics, you know that having a chromosomal mishap or a chromosomal mismatch uh, is is a recipe for disaster, and it leads to a lot of really tragic conditions within humanity. But really, what it often leads to, uh, and especially when you talk about completely mismatched numbers of chromosomes, is an inability to reproduce. So consequently, it's 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 estimated that less than five percent of what begins as a baby tiger trout, a tiger trout row, is going to survive into those uh, very first stages of development. But of course, what have we been able to do in the uh, uh, environment of a laboratory? We've been able to quickly figure out how to create tiger trout in a very effective and efficient way. It, you, you can say that, that tiger trout are reliably produced in hatcheries. It's uh, And they've been 
created in a hatchery setting for the purpose of stocking all the way back in the middle of the 20th century. And there's a, a process that you can learn about uh, online about how they do that. But what happens is, is and, and why people go for these fish isn't just because of their aesthetics, but also because it is anecdotally said that they are uh, aggressive and that they are hard fighting. Now, there is, as far as I know, uh, no metric or empirical data that can uh, prove this out. But there is empirical data saying that they do grow faster than either brown trout or brook trout. And uh, again, this is something that I, I haven't seen data on. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, but uh, there's some people that say this is completely dependent upon the environment in which they are reared as well as where they are planted. Um, but they are a fish that a number of states, some some states that are are on the premier list of fly fishing states like Pennsylvania um, and uh, Wyoming and uh, Colorado have introduced uh, tiger trout. And here's my take on it. Great. Go for it. And here is the reason why. Uh, tiger trout are sterile. And so if you are putting a fish in a, a stream uh, and you are introducing it into that stream. You're not reintroducing brook trout to a place where brook trout have been extirpated. You're not reintroducing greenback cutthroats into a stream uh, that is really, really struggling and suffering because they have been driven up into the, the highest reaches of the stream. But you're putting in a fish just to be caught uh, tomorrow or next week or next year. Then I don't care what that fish is, as long as it can survive its lifespan and that it's not going to reproduce with those native fish causing some sort of breakdown or degeneration of that line or that species of those fish. Uh, so this is a lot of times what you see happen with uh, cutthroat trout and rainbow trout. So you have these cutthroat trout species uh, or, or strains that are, are trying to be preserved on the east slope of the Rockies, uh, and then rainbow trout get added and you get a cut bow. Now a cut bow, and this, that's not what this, uh, this, this podcast is about. And I have very little experience with cut bow. Um, but a cut bow is, is a inner species or interspecific, uh, hybrid between a rainbow and a cutthroat. Now, because this is within the same species and these two species have a lot in common, it is very simple for, uh, the, the micus and the Clark eye to, interbreed and not in only in a hatchery setting, but also in the wild. And so you will have rainbows that are introduced into, say, a, a Yellowstone uh, uh, park stream, and uh, they are able to quickly interbreed with the cutthroats. What does that lead to? Well, it leads to fish, but it also leads to fish that don't have that genetic purity of that original species. And if you are in the business of, and I think we all ought to be to some degree or another, in the business of protecting and preserving strains of fish uh, for simply their, their sporting value, their aesthetic value, but also uh, because uh, these, these fish have been in this place for a long time. They were created for a purpose and they have adapted. And if you mess with that too much by introducing new genetics that may leave them susceptible to disease or a reduced uh, uh, ability to cope with uh, temperatures or flows or things like that, you are really playing with fire. But a tiger trout's not going to do that to you. Uh, a tiger trout may compete with uh, native fish species for food and for feeding lanes and for uh, spawning beds. And you said, these fish are 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 um, 
unable to, to reproduce. So why is that an issue? They'll still go through the motions and you'll see uh, infertile uh, fish that still go through the, the spawning motions. So they will have an impact on an ecosystem, but not nearly to the same degree as a fish that can interbreed and cause problems at a genetic level will. So I'm all for throwing tiger trout in. Um, I, I would... I, I don't know if I could say that like here on the East Coast, I'd rather there be tiger trout than uh, rainbow trout. Um, but but I really don't have a huge problem with people with with state agencies putting tiger trout in places. Um, you've never I've never heard a story and feel free to correct me, send me something, tell me something of where a ecosystem has been damaged by a species like the tiger trout. At the same time, brook trout have been very problematic in places out on the uh, the west coast and in the Rocky Mountains, and brown trout have been problematic here on the east coast. Uh, but tiger trout, they they kind of walk that line of those of that niche, uh, as well as the fact that they're not going to water down or alter the genetic stability of a population of fish. Which, when it comes down to it, is really from a conservation perspective what you want to preserve and you what you want to maintain. Um, and if they are going to be uh, sterile, they're not going to, to breed, then fish and game agencies are dealing with a known quantity, of course, within within a, a, a margin for error. I mean, it's the whole Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> you know, life is going to find a way, but if if it's an infertile fish, it's not going to be causing the same sort of destruction as a fertile fish or a Tyrannosaurus rex for that matter. Now, there's other species that fall into this category, other other hybrid species, and probably one that has a lot more history in the United States from a sporting perspective is the splake. And the splake is a, uh, a hybrid of uh, two fish, male brook trout, female lake trout. Um, now these are both coming from the same genus, so they are both char. And what this creates is a real quick. Why is it called a splake? If it's a half brook and half lake, wouldn't it be a blake trout? Well, the uh, speckled or spotted trout, and I, I'm not sure uh, which one this is coming from, is another name for the brook trout. So that's where you get splake. So like speckled and uh, and and lake trout turns into a splake trout. And so uh, they actually can reproduce, but they have been put in places uh, where there has been problems with the lake trout population dropping off. And so they grow very fast. Uh, they are um, also growing, they grow larger, and they have the reputation as being easy to catch. And so for a sporting species, this is a, a great species. But here you run into the problem of what is called back crossing or then breeding with the, the, the native species. So the lake trout or the brook trout, for example. Um, there is, is a lot of data out there because this is a species that has been stocked by not only the United States, but also Canada in fisheries that are very popular and very prominent. And the fact that they continue to stock them uh, and that they aren't too alarmed uh, is probably demonstrative that it is not the most dangerous uh, species to introduce into a, a water body as far as hybrids go. Um, so that's another popular one. Cutbows, like I said. And cutbows, again, if you throw them here on the East Coast, 
do it all day. It's not going to bother me one bit. Uh, but they can be problematic with what you see um, in out west. Now, are there places where these two species overlap? Yes, but uh, by and large, they are something that uh, should make folks raise an eyebrow if there are genetically fragile uh, rainbows or or cutthroat populations that are there. Uh, there are also some other fish, and we could probably do an entire podcast on this, but fish that are mutant fish. <laughs> they are, uh, they're not right. And the most common example of this is the golden rainbow. So not the golden trout. Don't call them golden trout. You can call them golden rainbows. You can call them palominos. And, uh, I have no problem with palominos either. Uh, palominos, all they are is a color variant of the regular old uh, garden variety uh, rainbow trout. And so you know them. They look like bananas. I mean, they are bright yellow with a bright orange stripe, almost no spots on them at all. And uh, they are hard to catch. They can be hard to catch. And people say they're no, they're, they're really easy to catch. They're dumb. Well, I don't think that's the case, especially ones that have been in the stream for a few weeks or a few months. And here's the reason why I think that, uh, because everybody's trying to catch them. It can be otters, it could be herons, and it could certainly be people. But these fish are being chased after every minute of their life because there's nowhere for them to hide. So I've caught them, but I find them that they're not easier to catch than stocked rainbow. They're harder to catch than a regular stocked rainbow. Are they as hard to catch as a wild rainbow trout? Probably not, but they, they walk that line. Um, and again, it's an artificial fish, and I honestly don't care. If it's a put-and-catch stream, then throw in the neon yellow fish. It is what it is. But they are not a hybrid. They are a mutated color strain that was actually found in West Virginia in the 50s, and uh, that uh, that science has been sent out in a lot of other places. There's other fish that meet this category as well, but like there's like a blue-brown trout. Blue, It's a brown trout that's blue. It's it's blue. You see it? It's blue. Uh, and there's some other some other fish that meet this this same category. But this happens outside of trout as well. And the most popular fish, at least in the United States, that I can think of, and I could be missing something that's just you know plain and clear, is the hybrid striped bass. And I absolutely love the other name for it, which is the wiper. And that might tell you where it comes from. It is a hybrid between the striped bass and the white bass. And these are fish I've caught down south in Arkansas, I think is where I caught them first in South Carolina. They actually uh, are, are called uh, palmetto bass uh, as well, which is a nice little nod to uh, South Carolina. But these fish are absolutely loved, not only for sporting, but also for aquaculture. Uh, these are fish that uh, there's a very good chance if you're ordering striped bass in a restaurant uh, and it's not super expensive, you're eating wiper, which might make it a, less, a lot less appetizing. And that's why they don't have it on the menu as wiper. But uh, they they are quick to reproduce. They grow big and they are and, and not like super big, but I mean, bigger than a, a a white bass. So they're much larger than a normal panfish or a bass. Um, but they, they go all over the place and they are in huge schools and they are easy to catch and they fight hard and they are again, delicious. And so they've been around for a while and they demonstrate that when they cross, they do grow fast. So that is when you get the hybrid striped bass. And again, you're, you're not going to see this happen in nature a whole lot because 
oftentimes stripers are going to only be found uh, in the ocean and in uh, the, the rivers that they, they run up. But of course, there are landlocked striped bass, and they probably could uh, find their way into a situation where they are, are in contact with the white bass. So there you have it, a primer on hybrid fish species. There's a lot more information on there, and there's a lot of information on uh, cut bows and a lot of the research and the environmental work that's been done uh, in places like Yellowstone National Park and in other places where there are fragile strains of cutthroat trout. So hop online, do some research, find things out. There's videos and there's articles and the articles can be very, very general. The articles can be very scientific. So any kind of flavor of education and biology you want, you can get it. And you, even though you aren't a biologist, you can talk with some level of authority about hybrid fish species. This week on castingacross.com, video sunglasses for fly fishing. I don't do a lot of videos, but I thought I would do a video here because I think it is an important topic. Now, it's not important like conservation important. It's not important like life important, but uh, I, am, I am avidly passionate about uh, good gear and a good gear approach is to have more than one pair of sunglasses for fly fishing. So I talk about that and I show some examples of kind of what I'm looking for in a pair of sunglasses. So check out that video. If you've heard my voice and you want to know what my face looks like, it's nothing terribly exciting. I mean, I've got a beard right now, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, then you can go check out that video on YouTube. Just put casting across in. You, you can subscribe. And uh, every time a video pops up, like once every seven or eight months, then you'll be the first to know about it. The second article is called Casting Across on the Guy Jeans Podcast. Casting Across on the Guy Jeans Podcast. So Guy Jeans runs the Kern River Fly Shop. He owns the Kern River Fly Shop out in Kernsville, California. I can't tell you exactly where that is. I know it's in the southern part of the state, uh, but I've never been to California. But that made for good conversation because I do New England and the Mid-Atlantic and, and the American South, and uh, Guy does California in that area. So uh, brook trout are kind of cool and novel for him. Golden trout are cool and novel for me. And so we were able to talk about that. And so uh, this is it, it would be a cool thing for you if you are used to listening to the Casting Across podcast, because here's me talking for 25 minutes about kind of whatever's on my head, not often about myself. Uh, in that podcast, he asks me questions. I talk a little bit about myself, just a, a different experience. So definitely check that out um, over at castingacross.com. I do have some links. And the recommendation this week on the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast is to listen to the Guy Jeans Podcast, uh, just in general. Uh, you can find him on Waypoint TV, which is the uh, platform that you can find the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast on. But he has, I think, 30 plus episodes right now. I think I was episode 33 or 34. And uh, you can listen to some other folks in fly fishing. Uh, and again, one of the primary reasons I would say, if, if knowing that my audience is uh, a New England and Eastern audience primarily, I mean, I've, I've got a good amount of folks that, and that might be you on the Midwest or out uh, in the Rockies or on the West Coast, and or even international. I see there's lots of folks listening internationally now. Uh, but if you are from an area that's not Southern California and you want to learn about the golden trout and you want to learn about some of the other fishing that's going on there, or have some conversations 
uh, that at your disposal between a fly shop owner and people that are part of some of the brands that he carries in the store. Awesome opportunity to listen to to those conversations over at the Guy Jeans podcast. And again, you can find it wherever you find podcasts, but also definitely check out Waypoint TV where you can find not only the podcast audio, but he's got a handful of videos of his conversations as well over on that platform. And I will put a link to the Guy Jeans podcast on this podcast's show notes page over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.